0: I'm Coulter DeVries with RanchInvestor.com. We give you the tools to build and manage wealth through ranch ownership.
1: I'm Andy Ron, accredited rural appraiser and creator of Montana LandSource, the ultimate resource for the Montana land market. Montana LandSource is the only place where you can find all large acreage listings on the market in Montana today, as well as recent sales. We provide maps, market statistics and analysis, and Montana land news and events. Find us at mtlandsource.com. Hi, I'm Denver Gilbert, licensed broker and owner of Clark and Associates Land Brokers. We've been helping buyers and sellers of farm and ranch properties in six states since 2005. We've been averaging a little over 100 million in ranch real estate sales annually.
0: The Ranch Investor Podcast. We have a sponsor. This is brought to you by Land Trust. L a n d t r u s t dot com. Land Trust. Uh, They were so pleased with you, our listener audience. Uh, because they had awesome feedback. We're excited to announce this sponsorship um, about their Airbnb for hunting access. And I guess, did you know sportsmen spend over $5 billion annually in hunter and angler access fees? Land Trust is a platform that connects sportsmen with farmers and ranchers like you, who have untapped profits just by providing access to their land. Go to landtrust.com forward slash ranch investor to see how you might add to your bottom line thank you all and andy give us a market update
1: well we're recording this uh i guess spring of 2021 early summer 2021 and um you know i think a lot of us myself included thought that 2020 was going to be the crazy year we were going to be talking about and recovering from by this time but uh it just goes on and on. What we're seeing in the Montana land market is an extreme lack of supply. Um, every week, more properties go under contract and sell than come on the market, and that's unusual this time of year. We're we're getting into prime showing season, prime uh, listing season. Brokers want to get properties, you know, listed by now so that with, with the green up, you know, ideal photos are uh, green fields and snow on the mountains. Um, uh, but man, uh, just seeing so few properties hit in the market and everything selling, um, it's pretty dramatic.
0: I believe it's inflationary driven. Um, I don't think scarcity is the cause for so many closings. Uh, mm. Ranches are unique. Each one is scarce in, in essence. And uh, just because something has scarcity in the marketplace does not mean that its price goes up. Uh, because it has intrinsic value, ranches do have intrinsic value, uh, but the prices are skyrocketing, and it's Texas, Wyoming, Colorado, Montana. It's it's across the nation. It's price driven, and I don't know, Rachel. Do you have a Rachel's our guest today? If your degree is in econ, please uh, please uh, chime in here about price as a as a function of supply and demand. <laughs> but but I think it's supply driven, and Andy, we continually see these ranches being put out there at speculative values, asking prices, and they're, they're getting it. That, that ceiling, that bar, keeps going up and up. I saw uh, our next guest is uh, Chris Mayhews. He's kind of familiar with the Shields Valley area. I saw a new $30 million listing on your site, $2,500 yeah. an acre. Yeah, yeah. That $2,500 an acre for rangeland, Um, and they might get it. I mean, we keep testing the new highs in the market, uh, 2,500 an acre just for reference will buy you row crop beet ground that yields seven ton an acre
1: for me. I mean,
0: this is, this is getting crazy.
1: Yeah. Well, and just to t- talk about that place, that place has a range of conditions. You know, the, the uplands on that place are pretty sexy. It has some, you know, beautiful recreational, that's probably $3,500, 4000 an acre ground, but then it's got some open scrub that's probably $1,000 an acre. So they're kind of, you know, they're kind of but that's but it without a doubt it's a high overall price. The, so, the
0: sagebrush of the Seals Valley. Yeah,
1: you know, yeah. But. So uh, that'll be an interesting one to watch. But you're right, and you know I am seeing some evidence of um, price ceiling. Uh, you know we are seeing some price reductions. Um, I do think there's some people. Well, I think what's happening is people are recognizing if their property hasn't sold or if they're not getting offers, they are priced too high. So I am seeing a little bit of evidence of price leveling perhaps. But uh, of course, we're also seeing high listings come on the market, too, at the same time. And that's kind of always been the case in Montana. You know, that's one thing that people have a hard time wrapping their head around. Uh, Prices are all over the board in Montana. That's nothing new. Yeah. And there's an old saying, good ranches sell well.
0: And uh, so, yeah, we we see that even your it's not broad. It's not a painting with a broad brush across the board that everything is in, inflating, increasing yeah. price. Because we do have eastern Montana ranch listings that are overpriced, and they're not getting calls. They're not getting showings, which means they're not getting offers.
1: Yeah, and I do think it does catch sellers' attention in times like this. Like I said, if they're not getting calls, if they're not getting showings in this market— uh, something's going on um, and it's funny because in a, in a market that's not quite as heated as this one is they won't believe that information they're, they'll think they're in there and that that, that wealthy buyer is coming down the pike anytime but right now i think um, rightfully they're a little nervous if they're if they're not getting activity because you know everyone knows this market's just been nuts brokers are as busy as they can be they've got everyone's got buyers and 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 no inventory or you know more buyers than inventory well let's pivot to why we're
0: here the Dan Scott Ranch Management School, School of Ranch Management. Dr. Rachel Frost, thank you for coming on.
2: Thank you for having me, Coulter. It's my pleasure to be here today.
0: Now, this is a new program. Tell me, tell me why we have this program. Is there a need for ranch management? Because uh, I, at, at the academic, at the collegiate level, because there is King Ranch out there. Um, there's. Uh, ranching for profit and you know that's not cheap. So why why do we need another ranch management school?
2: That's a great question Coulter and the answer is is multifaceted that yes there are some great training programs out there for ranch management but ranch management is such a complex career really. It it requires that people be nearly experts in a lot of different fields. They have to understand animal management. They have to understand finances. They have to understand how to manage land properly. But one of the most important things they have to do too is to manage the people. It takes a real skill to work with that owner to understand that owner's desires for their property and to be able to take those desires on and try to implement them on that piece of property. So, yeah, there is a need. I mean, you mentioned it yourself, the fact that these ranches are selling really rapidly. People are trying to find out what to do with them. A lot of cases, that means putting a manager on there, someone to manage that day-to-day operations and try to get some return on that investment from the livestock production standpoint. And so they're looking for folks who are willing to do that on a piece of property and really understand that owner's goals, their desires for that property, and be able to have the skills needed to implement those on that piece of ground.
1: You know, it's interesting. Early in my career, I had ambition to be an, an operator, to be a producer, but I didn't have any family place to take over or go back to. And what I was told was to go into management, you know, become, become a manager. But at that time, there was no local resources for that. Um, but, you know, that's what you were told as an operator. If you didn't have family ground, uh, you know, to, to take over. So that brings up my question.
0: Are your students, those who have jumped onto this, it's not a pilot program because you're going to start graduating students. It's, it's funded. There's a large endowment. It's a successful program at this point. Um, MSU has released it and the people there apparently there was a need, a demand and, uh, they're supplying you as students. So, uh, what, are the demographics of your students, what are their objectives? Are they going back to family ranches? Are they going to absentee-owned places? Is it a 60-40? I mean, who? what's the goal here to graduate these students and put them into what? What are their motives?
2: Yeah, that's another great question. And right now, the program has four students who have officially been accepted into it. So the program is a limited admissions one. Any person... Any student can declare ranching systems as their major when they enter MSU. But midway through their sophomore year, they have to apply for admissions to the program. And once they've been accepted into that program, then they can move into the internship and the specific ranching systems degree courses that go along with that. We only accept 10 students per year. We're working up to that number. Right now, we have four students that have officially been accepted into the program, and the demographics of those students are really interesting. It is a 50-50 split right now as to students who are looking to go into that professional management route and students who are looking to go back to that family operation and bring that expertise there to, to carry that operation into the next generation. Interestingly, I have uh, two male students and two female students, so it's also split 50-50 on gender for that way. So a, a really diverse group of students too. These all have some ties to ranching background, but it's it's very different. Some of them grew up on a ranch, some of them just began working on ranches at the earliest possible opportunity that they had in their life. Um, so yeah, it, it's this program is attracting a a wide variety of students from the um, I'm going to go back to the family operation to, as Andy mentioned, um, management seems to be the best option for me to go to because I don't have a family operation to go to, to even students who are possibly retiring from the military and just think ranching has got to be a great lifestyle and they really want to get into it and find a way into it.
1: So what I'm wondering, and Coulter has some experience with this, which is going to be more difficult going into the open market with that skill base, or going back home and working for dad?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's going to be tough. That's going to be very tough. And you so, can't
0: teach working with dad in college. No. You can't teach those human skills. <laughs>
2: no, that's very, that's very true. But we do have, because the program is really small, and we are limiting it to that 10 students per year, so a max of 20 students accepted into the program, we have some flexibility to be able to cater that education to those individual students, to understand what their goals are and to learn from them. I'm going back to a family operation. So, for example, students that are accepted into the program, they also serve an internship with a working ranch. So the summer between their sophomore and junior year, and then again the summer between their junior and senior year, they will intern on the same ranch. And we can take that to the level that students who intend to go back to a family operation they are going to intern on a family operation, one that has done that well and done that successfully, who is is managing in, in such a manner that they are set up to transfer that ranch generationally successfully. And then those students can learn from that. Hopefully they can learn from the experience of that ranch and working through all those family complexities and working for dad and, and grandpa maybe who's still got his, you know, right bowl around <laughs> exactly he's he's still the one who's really managing because you know interestingly, we have you know ranchers in their forties fifties sixties who are still not the primary decision maker on the place it's It's still grandpa who's making those decisions um from a day to day operation so so we do we put a, try to put those students onto the type of operation that they intend to go to professionally so that they can get those direct skills as much as possible.
1: You know, what's really cool about hearing about this, you know, obviously Montana, uh, MSU is the land grant university, the ag school. I went through the ag program there when you're in ag school there, you know, a ton of kids from Montana farms and ranches and, and a lot of them going home and, you know, learning stuff at school, but I don't know it, how much, you know, management and, uh, you know, they, they would study agronomy and range and, and animal science and right. All these kind of things. Uh, it's great to see management um, and all the complexities that you mentioned uh, getting worked into that curriculum. I think it's it's great. And you have an
0: internship program, correct?
2: Yes, we do. So we have ranches, a number of ranches, who have signed up to host interns for the students. Right now I have, I think, 12 ranches at the last count who have signed up, and, of course, only four students in the program. But I really like to have that larger pool of ranches available. That helps me do a better job of matching those students to interns to make that successful because they're doing it for two summers in a row. So it's got to work. It's got to work. From an educational standpoint for that student, but it's also gotta work from a personality standpoint. That student and that ranch have to mesh so that they can get the most out of that educational experience. It's like dating. It is. Like marriage. <laughs> I, I, feel like, I feel like I'm playing eharmony.com <laughs> between internship <laughs> and ranch is sometimes. And uh, you know, so far so good. We're gonna have we're gonna have that um, situation that doesn't work. We're gonna have that. That's not a great match, I'm sure, at some point, but Right now, I mean, we are just so fortunate in Montana to have such a great and diverse ranching community that provides just a wide array of opportunities for students. The other thing that we have in the ranching community is just we have people who are really willing to teach. They don't mind sharing what they have learned the hard way with these students, and they they believe enough in ranching and that profession that they want to see that younger generation succeed, and they're willing to do that in, in exchange for some work, for sure.
0: In my experience, um, you don't you don't get a lot of work out of interns. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's about uh, teaching them and showing them what you know that you're. What you put in, the value of your time, energy, and efforts for what you receive from that student, um, you're pretty much paying in, but that's a good thing. I think we need to support the next generation and impart our wisdom upon them.
2: <laughs> it is great. They're, and the ranches do understand that, that, that it's, uh, they're not getting a lot of value from it. But I will say one thing about these students, and that is they have been hand-selected. And they are a unique group of students who is not afraid of hard work. They really are committed to ranching as a lifestyle. They understand what that lifestyle demands of them too. And so they they are really willing to commit that time and to work those extra hours and, and to put in the very best that they have when they go to that ranch. And then the second sum, uh, summer that they're there on the ranch, one of the goals is that they have a project that helps that ranch. So they're supposed to not just do the usual work of fencing and haying and working livestock, but they're also supposed to work with that ranch to try to help them develop a monitoring system, some kind of record keeping, help them look into what um, it's going to do as far as a cost-benefit analysis for them to do water developments or a new type of marketing as well. And those students have the resources at MSU and other partners available to them to help them work through those projects to try to make it as much as you can a win-win situation for that ranch as well.
1: So I did a ranch internship at MSU, and it was probably about the most valuable thing uh, I did. You know, it's funny, I mapped that ranch uh, using GIS, and this was the early days of of GIS, and, and kids back on campus who were taking GIS classes weren't doing the depth of mapping of one property like like I was so that obviously paid forward in terms of what I've gotten into with Montana LandSource and then I ended up you know getting my real estate license and helping sell that ranch uh, like 10 years uh, when I was out of school so that internship really cascaded into a whole bunch of uh, an ongoing relationship and ongoing experiences that uh, have put me where I'm at now with my business and career so internships are fabulous.
2: You're exactly right Andy and that's one of the things that several of the ranches who are participating in the internship program they're really forward thinking looking for future employees they've got a ranch manager in place but you know those they're eventually going to retire or maybe move on to something else and so they're looking at this as a way to get some of these future managers in the pipeline that's one thing. You mentioned the King Ranch Institute earlier, a great program out of Texas, and they're producing managers at the master's level. These students have a bachelor's degree, and then the King Ranch really likes to see them have five to seven years experience on a working ranch after their bachelor's degree before they're accepted into that program. And then they're averaging three to four graduates a year out of that program. So so there's another reason that the demand for these ranch managers is exceeding the supply. But the students coming out of this program, they'll come out with a bachelor's, they'll come out with the two years experience as an internship, but time in a classroom and two years of internship does not a manager make. So the likelihood of these students walking into the same type of position that a graduate from the King Ranch Institute walking into is very, very slim. The graduates of this program are more geared to be in that pipeline of ranch management come in in you know a larger operation in a middle management position maybe managing an individual unit and then working up to be cow calf boss and then working up to be the overall general manager over a series of years and as they gain experience in those positions as well so yet another reason for this additional program and the way that we fill a unique role as far as helping to build that supply of future ranch managers here in the West.
0: What do you think students, master's students, coming out of King Ranch are being offered for salaries?
2: Oh, that, that, that is a question that I cannot answer. I imagine it is as diverse as the different operations that they are headed to. It better be good if they want to keep them because those are some really high-pressure positions where you are overseeing not just a large landmass and a big herd of cattle, but oftentimes you're overseeing a really large force of personnel as well.
0: Roughly 80,000?
2: I would say. I would think so. At too. least. And, and more is in that, some cases.
0: Is that an issue you've ran into so far is that you graduate, graduate these uh, bachelor's degrees? undergrads and they come out with a thirty thousand dollar student debt plus and then they're offered a forty five thousand dollar job is that is that an issue that's arised?
2: I don't have any graduates from the program yet, Coulter, to to know exactly what that is going to be, but I, I do foresee that as being being an issue. I mean, traditionally in agriculture our salaries are not that competitive and those salaries also come with a lot of long hours and a lot of after hours and weekends and, you know, demands of time on that person. And, you know, we do have traditional benefits of housing and a vehicle and maybe half a beef, but sometimes we don't have insurance with those or paid vacation and some of the other perks. So I think it is going to be a matter of the ranching community sort of, really understanding the value of what a good employee can bring and how if you can nurture that employee and they can really understand um, your operation and be able to get the most out of that operation that you need to reward that employee in turn
0: yeah d- um, delivering the value proposition i mean there's there's government programs out there equip CSP um, in our next episode as we start talking about carbon marketing there's there is an immense amount of alternative incomes for a ranch that would fully support a $50,000 manager. And and it could probably uh, reduce your expenses, improve your bottom line 30%, increase your uh, income 40%, I would say. But it's hard to deliver that value proposition that, oh, I'm going to commit to a $50,000 employee I barely make $50,000 after all said and done in December. And uh, if they could see the value of that, well, you have one person who's going to be committed to uh, reducing expenses. That's going to improve your bottom line and improving your income. Uh, that's one thing I hear, front, front line boots on the grounds is, oh, there's so many programs out there, but I don't have the time. My wife doesn't have the time to manage them all.
2: There is a ton of programs out there, and with that ton of programs comes a ton of opportunity, but you have to know where to start to look. What's going to apply to your ranch? What's going to fit there? How do you um, sort those out to see what are the opportunities that are appropriate for you? So that is one of the things that we really try to expose those students to throughout the program is to understand you know, what opportunities are available out there from a conservation standpoint, from a cost share standpoint, to help those owners to be able to realize some return on that investment and then also to realize that you're an investment for those owners. So you have to be constantly demonstrating the value added that you're bringing to that ranch and be able to show that in monetary numbers and in opportunities to that owner that you are in fact being an investment that is providing them a return for that. So we, you know, we have other things that we do besides the set curriculum We are constantly, well, it's been a challenge with COVID for sure, but the idea is to get those students outside of the classroom too, help them to create this larger network in the conservation community to understand who are their major contacts within agencies, to help them sort through what are appropriate programs, you know, so that they can walk out understanding when they walk into a new branch job To be able to say, these are the first people I need to get in touch with and start to understand what is available in my area, what might apply to this piece of property that I am managing, and how can I use those programs to best benefit the owner in this situation by increasing the production capacity, profitability, and overall operation efficiency of this ranch.
1: You know, those of us in the rural real estate industry, brokers like Coulter and appraisers like myself, we see mismanagement or poor management, you know, basically every day. You know, it can be kind of painful. Um, so it's great to see more resources coming available, I guess, in that arena. And, uh, you know, we also, I've in my career dealt many times either with new, you know, a lot of times new owners, new ownership just, you know, need need management. And they may recognize it, they may not. Uh, even their attempts to find that management. And I think I've spoken about this in earlier podcasts. Uh, I've, I've been pulled into that a little bit. You know, clients asking for my help and helping them find managers. And it's been tough. Um, and it's very much a, uh, a dating scenario. I mean, it seems like personalities matter in a big way. Um, I've seen a couple situations where I thought, you know, a great manager... Uh, was passed over because the personalities didn't match up. Um, And I I hope this is getting better, but I've seen a lot of misconceptions in my perspective, perception of uh, new ownerships, new owners not having a good handle on what they actually need. What they think they need and what they need uh, can be a little bit different uh, at times. So it'll be interesting to watch this. And uh, I I think there's a lot of opportunity. I I think land management is an under utilized uh skill set and career and with more absentee owners which just is the nature of our, our market and what's been happening i see a higher and higher need and um you know good good land management is is invaluable
0: and i i believe that our land grant universities have a responsibility to the economy of their state that they have to respond to the opportunities out there the needs the problems in the marketplace that that produce a tax base or revenue and that's how we we have a land grant is they needed to improve wheat dry land wheat and get farmers out here and so so we have all the test plots and we we find out what's working what's not working and we try to produce students who are going to enhance that industry and that economy and then we do it for um, malt barley, and we do it for beef genetics. We do. We have the wool lab at MSU, and I, I do think that the market is demanding this. But I also, I'm curious: is there a a discussion around the paradigm of what is a ranch? Because <laughs> the market is telling us that it's not livestock. When when livestock account for Less than twenty percent of a ranch's value. Is there a discussion around what a ranch is and in the paradigm of what this industry looks like in the future? Habitat, recreation. Um, Andy, what are some other attributes that seem to seem to
1: um, uh, weigh in on values a little more than yeah, livestock? Yeah, just do? aesthetics and way of life, and um, yeah, you know, it's it's a different. Like you said, the the income potential is, you know, in the 1, 2, 3% rather than the 10, 20%. And that's a that's a new matrix. That's a new paradigm. Um, so that is a good question about, are you guys talking about what a ranch is? is? That is that how you start the first day of class? Okay, kids. Okay, kids. Let's sit down and talk about what a ranch really is and what a ranch really isn't. Did you know consumer demand for outdoor recreation is an over $17 billion marketplace? Savvy investors do, and they're using a secret weapon to access the demand. It's called Land Trust. Land Trust, the recreational access network connects ranchers, farmers, and ranch investors with outdoor enthusiasts seeking private land access. This online marketplace makes it easy and safe to gain year round income from hunting, fishing, photography, and more. You don't even have to be there. Be the wiser investor with a new secret weapon. Visit landtrust.com/ranchinvestor to learn more. That's landtrust.com/ranchinvestor.
2: What a ranch is is different in everybody's mind, and and you're right. We have new new owners, new priorities, new um, that are really that are really impacting. You know how people how people view a ranch, or from size to where they make their money to what is the most important part of it. And what we really try to do to cover most of that with a student is to say, you know, number one, being a ranch manager is not being able to cowboy with somebody else's money. You know, we, we try to have to kind of work the cowboy <laughs> Damn, out of it. Shoot. That's, that, what that's I was, a very know.
1: good precedence to set. <laughs> and,
2: you just burst a bubble of mine yeah, right there. Yeah. I mean, and that's tough because that, that seemed to be kind of what everybody who went into the management business did. Just like you said, Andy, you didn't have a family operation to go to, but that lifestyle attracted you. That's what you wanted to do. So why not have the best of both worlds? Let's just cowboy with somebody else's money, right? And then if we mess it up, it's not that big a deal. But that's that's, your, That should be
1: your branding right there. <laughs> Live in the dream. the new, ranch, dream. new yeah. ranch management program, cowboying with somebody else's money.
2: Right. That that does <laughs> that doesn't seem to work very well though with managers, you know, and, and it doesn't seem to matter how how wealthy the new ranch owner is. They didn't get that way by losing money and they don't like to do that. And so they understand investing in some property, but a continuous loss of money is not something they're interested in. So You know, the the hardest part of of my job right now to this point with these students is really helping them to grasp as young, idealistic, um, sometimes, you know, cowboy lifestyle loving students that the most important aspect of their job is to really sit down with that owner and understand what that owner wants. And once you understand what that owner wants, then you can help understand what that owner needs really and help to guide them in that direction of their needs. But it's always got to be based on what do they want? What are their goals for that operation? Do they see that place as being the premier showcase in the valley that they bought? Do they see that place as having the reputation of producing, you know, the finest purebred cattle there? Or do they just see that as an opportunity to do their part to really okay, just flat out say it, save the Montana landscape, okay? Some of the new owners are coming in here, and they think that that's, that's kind of their, um, I don't want to say responsibility, but that maybe is their mission, that they really want to put their stamp on a piece of property and say that they have done something very significant conservation-wise for it. So helping these younger future managers come out, understanding that their job is really to find out what that owner wants, and to figure out ways to implement that in a way that is ecologically, financially, and socially responsible, too. And to help them provide a bigger picture. You know, what are the decisions that you're making management-wise on your property? How is that going to affect your community? How is that going to affect the stability here, the, the families, the neighbors, um, everything else? It's, it's a big and a daunting task for a 22-year-old graduate hmm. of a bachelor's degree program. So we're, you know, working individually with each one of those students and trying to help them to understand for sure that this is not the end of the road education-wise. You have got to continue down that path through the variety of options that you mentioned, whether that's an eventual master's through the King Ranch program, whether that's going to ranching for profit, you know, some of these other programs that really help to um, continue those skills. Even a leadership program, I think, would be very important for some of these ranch managers just to keep honing those communication skills as they continue to work with owners and and you're right Andy it's so much about personalities and and can we find an owner that we can really embrace their values and uh, the same with that ranch manager too moving forward
0: I think listening to this podcast would be an excellent three-credit course.
1: Uh, that's what we need to... Uh, continuing and, credit, continuing credit. And I'm happy
0: to license this to MSU as an <laughs> adjunct professor if, if they would like to... Start sending me a check every month.
2: <laughs> I think that's already covered in my salary that they're paying, but, which, which they're not. As Andy mentioned, this is, or you mentioned earlier, this is an endowed program. And I'm often asked, well, where where why the name Dan Scott? Where did that come from? And so I'd be remiss if I didn't say that the program was named uh, after the late Dan Scott, who was a longtime manager of the Padlock Ranch in montana and wyoming and it was the family of dan scott in particular his daughter risa who gave a substantial gift that made really this program possible uh, through that endowment and so that that's how the program has gotten started and you know constantly looking to expand the opportunities that we can offer students there's there's so many things um outside the classroom that are so relevant to students. And there's a ton of educational opportunities right here in Montana. We have nonprofits who are bringing in uh, experts in different fields and offering workshops and opportunities in soil health and financial management that are not only great networking opportunities for the students, but they're opportunities to hear, you know, speakers outside of the realm of academia and into practical implementation that I think are valuable as well.
0: Yeah, like Plank Stewardship. They they host uh financial workshops based around ranching for profit uh locally throughout Montana.
2: Yeah, they had one in Livingston that I actually took our current students in the program over to and they um did that free of charge for us. So that's that's a great opportunity to partner with a lot of different folks. Um, it's it's amazing the number of nonprofits and other entities who were involved in the conception of this program. It's it's only been in existence for Uh, Not quite two years officially, but it's been in the works for over 10 years. And it was, you know, some folks off campus who really recognized that need and were forward thinking and putting those pieces together to bring that to the university in a package that they could actually implement.
0: Why wasn't this podcast part of that package?
2: (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. That was pre-me. I was that being was modest with Rachel. three credits. I think this could <laughs> right. qualify for PhD. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Send, them, send them to us when you're done with them at the undergraduate level. <laughs> we'll, we'll finish them for you.
2: We'll, we'll see when, you, when, when I, I find out at the end of this podcast how many students come my way or how many ranches step forward to host internships. Yeah, um, so yeah. They, they can
0: reach out to you in the program. And, uh, again, it's you select these students um, with, with a microscope, magnifying glass just like you probably do the ranchers you don't want to send a student out just to fix fence and cut hay there's got to be a little more going on from the rancher
2: yeah absolutely we ask that these students be involved in every aspect of ranch management possibly and we want those ranches to open the finances to that student, at least the second year. We understand mm-hmm. it takes a little bit of time to build some trust, so you've got the first summer with the student and can kind of work through some of the kinks. And then that second year, we need that student to see the good, the bad, and the ugly of ranching.
1: Boy, that's a big ask. Yes, it, I, it is. is. <laughs> I think Coulter and I just kind of sank in our seat <laughs> <of the intro laughs> two when we heard that. And we don't ask <laughs> to see
2: all of it. Um, if you could open just one enterprise budget to them so that they can understand what goes into that we don't need to see you know how much the the new owner is spending on the house remodel or the new barn or or anything else we can just look at some smaller components of those finances to get an idea of of how that operation is um, doing as far as cash flowing too
0: why is there a black light in the old dairy barn and a huge (laughs) cash account
1: now (laughs) Well, on the ranch I t- internship industry diversification. Don't don't look there. <laughs> on the ranch I interned, on uh the ranch owner was all upset about gas, gas money, gas bill and was leaning on us about that and we rolled up our sleeves and found out the wife was spending more gas than all of us hands combined going to town every day in a pickup truck. She was she was doing a <laughs> Sixty mile round trip to town every day. Good luck having a twenty one year old bring that up. Yeah, <laughs> right. right.
2: Well, I mean, the good point there that you bring up is, you know, if if you don't uh, if you don't record it and you don't track it, you don't know it. So we can all be blissfully ignorant about our finances at times. It's like not balancing your checkbook and just assuming as long as there's still checks in the book that you still have money in the bank account and. I think, as ranchers we can we can do that um, a little too often, and so hopefully the idea of opening the books to someone else uh, works into accounts. So I mean number one, if you're willing to do that as a rancher, you're pretty confident in how you're managing your finances, and there are those out there who don't mind opening it up because it's kind of a second form of accountability. If I can't defend what I 'm doing to a s- undergraduate student in uh you know, in the Dan Scott Ranch Management Program, then maybe I need to take a second look at how I'm operating things. And so I, I, yeah, it does seem like a daunting ask, you know. But we're not asking them to share their weaning weights or something really private, right? Just their finances, <laughs> number of cattle that they own. That's probably the the bigger one, you know. You gotta work. You gotta
1: work up to things, right? You do. You gotta have to do things.
2: Things all in order here, but. But the ranches that we're working with, again, I think it's it's just a different mindset. They really do have that teaching mindset. That's what we're looking for is the ones who understand, again, that it's not just cheap labor for two summers in a row because they're really not that cheap, honestly, but that it's more of an opportunity to either A, do some uh, training in a really great situation for future employees that operation or just to pass on what they know and really help that next generation get a leg up and understanding that investing in these students is investing not just in the livelihood of Montana, but in the landscapes of Montana. We want to see these ranches be successful. We want to see the family ones continue to pass on generation to generation and, uh, Maybe not you guys from a realtor perspective, not to be chopped up into little bitty pieces that bring a lot on the market, but really to keep those ranches intact and functioning.
0: Those little bitty pieces take too much work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not interested. Right. Well, and, so, and that clientele takes too much work. That personality, not interested. I, I can imagine. So so
2: now we're going to keep these, these whole intact ranches that maybe you get a chance to sell at some point, but at least we're going to keep them... Keep them intact and functioning. I, too many times, you know, family operations just keep splitting off and splitting off until they're not, you know, not economically viable as a unit. And uh, the more we can help that to stay under control or even these new new owners help them to, not, to remain really pleased with their investment as, as a property and looking at it as something that they would want to keep intact is great.
1: I know a few <clears throat> managers that have, you know, been on the same place for, for decades. Um, and it's interesting when I think about those cases and those ones I know personally, uh, they tend to, well, the ones I know about are, are, you know, high-end recreational uh, amenity properties. And so they've got this, this in-place manager that runs the cattle operation, uh, oftentimes runs a hunting operation. They might be an outfitter as well as a, so they're, you know, they're running livestock, they're running the hunting season. And like you said, kind of a, kind of maintaining the aesthetic and and uh, recreational attributes as well as the agricultural, and you know maintaining a place that this owner can show up on, and, and and you know it has to do with managing the housekeepers or you know whatever boarding up, boarding and unboarding manager homes uh, as the or owner homes as the owners come and go that kind of stuff. So kind of a and and yeah, programs tapping into programs like you maned, uh, you mentioned. So it's it's pretty complex. Um, and a lot going on, and when the personalities match up, and some of these people uh, stay for decades. And the ones I'm thinking of, you know, I think I don't know what their compensation is. It seems like uh, there's a lot more than just salary. Uh, one I know of for sure has benefits, really good benefits. He actually raised three girls on his own on this on this property. He was a single dad with three girls, and it was it was a, a real job and did him well. I, I think I think maybe he got the hunting income. I think maybe he ran, maybe he owned the hunting outfitting business, um, which helped out a lot. Obviously, um, well,
0: and there's, <clears throat> I mean, with these uh, alternative programs, there's there's many ways to skin that cat. Like, you know, that ranch said, yeah, we could use the the recreational income, but we don't have the time to manage it or, or the bandwidth. Um, why don't Why don't you monetize that and give us a piece of it? There's there's plenty of creative ways to pursue the new paradigm of what is a ranch. I like uh, Land Trust was talking about. One of the things I hear daily from farmers and ranchers is that, oh, yeah, I would, I would love to do CSP and equip uh, Land Trust. I, I might do Land Trust. I just don't have the time. I'm busy fixing fence. I'm right. busy pulling calves in the spring. Um, sounds great, but... I don't have the bandwidth. My wife isn't going to do it. So what Land Trust was talking about is maybe we should launch a program where FFA manages it. And those kids mm. get their uh, hands dirty with organization, bookings, management, uh, customer relations, and and they take a piece of the income. It's a it's uh, rural kid's opportunity to have a little business, a little income when they don't have a McDonald's down the street. So I think there's a lot of creative ways to do that and and with your ranchers hosting these interns Rachel it it comes down to uh, the personality of of the owner uh, Good leaders appreciate new perspectives they appreciate um, having a different paradigm proposed to them i mean you can't they understand you can't see the forest from the trees and if they can, a good leader will will consider dissension. They'll take in opposing, differing, uh, a widening view. So it'd be great to have these kids show up to these places and be like, "Well, Mr. Landowner, have you considered putting up a pivot here and having it subsidized through Equip, or or have you thought about what kind of uh, income you could generate from hunting?" Um, so yeah, if we could. If we could have a new paradigm approaching these owners so that they can keep their place intact and keep it cash flowing better i mean we 're the ranch investor podcast we 're here to improve the bottom line. Uh, I like that, but it, it comes down to a leader a leader and
1: leaders have to practice some vulnerability too well, and this brings up a question we've we've been talking about basically like full time on site managers, but do you think maybe some of the graduates from this program might also be consultants or might you know rather than kind of be an in- place full-time manager on one operation you know maybe kind of uh, you know manage multiple properties on a limited basis like just running the grazing for example or or um, you know be a consultant rather than just a full-time in- place manager do you think do you see that as part of the mix
2: I do I would like to think the opportunities are virtually unlimited for these students and I think it's, it's going to be a very unique pathway. We're not going to see all of the graduates of this program go down one pathway of being you know, ranch managers or returning back to their family ranch in the traditional sense. They're going to come away with a broad set of skills, and um, where they eventually wind up in that professional avenue is completely up to them. You know, and maybe some of them are going to go to work for ranches for a while and and figure out that they do have a skill set that lends more towards that consulting avenue as well. So there is going to be a ton of opportunities, hopefully, for these students with the diversity of skills that we're, we're giving them. We're, you know, in, in the purest academic sense, we we catch a little bit of grief sometimes because the degree is so diverse mm. from the curriculum standpoint. You know, it's it's almost equal parts credits from animal science, range ecology and management, and business management. And we're utilizing instructors all across the university. We've got folks within the Department of Animal and Range Sciences, uh, professors in agricultural economics and economics, and then we're also utilizing a number of classes over in the Jake Jabs College of Business. So really getting outside of the box and talking to Uh, some folks there who have their roots and their expertise in management and dealing with personnel and facilitation and conflict resolution and those other kind of hard and soft skills that these folks would need as a manager in dealing with those owners, too. So I think the sky's the limit for what these graduates can accomplish coming out, depending on how they continue that education from... Um, the standpoint of who they work with, who they associate with, and what what other opportunities that they take advantage of.
1: Don't you think, I, I mean, I think you spoke to it really well, and I've seen this from afar since I've been out of school for the decades I have been. Don't you think there's been a paradigm shift from in the old days you, you you studied something very specific. You got a degree in some you know it was agronomy or it was range science or animal science or business or whatever. And it just seems like the world that these graduates are going into. You know the idea of being an agronomy major. I mean I mean sure I guess if you were going to you know take a job in a lab or something or or you know be a pure agronomy scientist. But how many jobs are there for that position? It seems like really the broader base is. And I've seen that friction um, at MSU myself. Um, the kind of the old school wanting to keep things, uh, you know, very singular, I guess, or you know, focused, Maybe they would say, but man, it seems like these graduates really need a more
2: broad, uh, broad base than that. Andy, I, I joke that these graduates are going to be a mile wide and two inches deep in mm-hmm. their knowledge. It's going to be really diverse. It's going to be you know, uh, across a lot of boards, and we're going to just lay that foundation. And then it's up to them to find that depth and whatever they need to, because it leaves them that flexibility to go to that ranch and find out what specific skills or priorities that that owner has in store. Then they can take it to a level further. They can uh, really look into that specific financial training through plank stewardship or ranching for profit. They can go to cattlemen's colleges and they can learn more about genetics and uh, the ability to do AI to improve their herd. They can um, go to grazing schools and they can really dive deeper into some conservation learning opportunities that are out there already. So I think there's that opportunity to improve their skills there as well. And, and you're right, it's just it's such a broad and such a diverse field. And it takes the right, it takes the right student. It takes that student who appreciates um, the systems approach to solving problems. And the name of the degree is Ranching Systems. And that is one of the things that we really focus on is that it is a systems approach. We have to understand how, or students have to understand how a decision they make in grazing management affects the finances, affects the performance and the weaning weight of those cattle or the finishing attributes of them. And so everything is interconnected. And then it's also got the personnel thrown in there and personalities of those around it. So that, that systems thinking, the concept that everything that you do has a ripple effect to every other aspect of that operation is really crucial to, to getting that, broad-based education down into something that can be really useful on a day-to-day basis.
0: Well, Dr. Rachel Frost, thank you for coming on. I I would assume anyone interested in the intern program or the degree can look up the Dan Scott Ranch Management Program at Montana State University. We appreciate your insight, having you on down here in Billings, live in the studio with our live audience here on the couch. (laughs) Check us out on YouTube. (laughs) The hecklers from the sidelines. Um, I also want to give a big thank you uh, to Land Trust, our sponsor. Land Trust partners with farmers and ranchers to capture pure profit from sportsmen seeking new experiences and places to hunt and fish. It's not limited to just hunting and fishing. It's experiences. Uh, Land Trust built the platform and does the marketing for you, landowners, ranchers. You maintain 100% control of access, activities, and you set the rules. There's no cost or obligation when you list. And the next 10 ranch investor listeners who go to landtrust.com forward slash ranch investor are eligible for a gift. Get this, worth over $2,000. So they're pretty proud of their sponsorship. We are too it's been very successful. Can we uh, do that?
1: Can we sign up on that ourselves uh, I
0: sign it? up daily <laughs> <laughs> heavily weighted in my name <laughs> uh, it's great partnership and uh, i I like to see ranches monetize these aspects attributes and Thanks for coming on, Dr. Rachel Frost. Yeah, thanks, Dr. Frost. This was this was great. Any uh any touts or not touts, that's what we do at our week <laughs> monthly meeting. <laughs> um any asks of our audience? Do you have anything to put on them and what you're looking for or need?
2: Oh, that's a great question. End it with an ask <laughs> and and yes. We do have a need. If you have students who are interested in, in the ranching lifestyle, send them our way. We're always looking for those great students here, even though it's limited admission. I mean, the more we start with that we we find some really great students that we could, you know, even point towards some other avenues too. So looking for great students for the program, looking for ranch hosts that, that really have a heart for education for those students and that would be providing you know diverse array of opportunities so that we can continue to do as good a job as possible of matching those individual students with the ranches and then we're we're always looking to continue the finances of this program it's expensive to go to school these days we're you know trying to build scholarship opportunities and also to help get these students out and about to other events so that they can really Uh, hone their skills and do some networking too so you know gifts that would help us to get students on the road to attend soul health conferences and and other educational opportunities would be fantastic and you can provide find you know how to participate at all of those different levels as coulter mentioned on our website just search dan scott at montana state university and we'll pop up and it talks about the program the students And what we're also doing as far as outreach to the ranching community in general in Montana, because it's not just about the bachelor's degree. We're also looking at ways that we can serve that existing ranching community and and those folks who wish this program had been in place whenever they were going to school, Hmm. too. I talk to them on almost a daily basis.
1: Hey, Rachel, what about landowners that think they might want to hire one of these graduates? Uh, Can they reach out to you?
2: They can, they can. Our first graduate will be coming out of the program in December, and then our next set of graduates are slated for May of 23 to come on board. You
1: know, I wouldn't be that surprised at all if, at least for a while, maybe there isn't a standing waiting list for these <laughs> graduates. I, You know, it seems like there's enough demand out there for management, especially as the word gets out about this program. I could see landowners standing in line. All right. Montana State Aggies. Yeah. <laughs> State
0: Aggies. Thanks, Aggies. the bobcats. <laughs> Thanks, Dr. Rachel Frost. We Thank appreciate you. having you on.
2: Thank you, Coulter and Andy. My pleasure. Thanks a lot.
0: Thank you for joining us today on ranchinvestor.com podcast. We have a few things of note, uh, some housekeeping to take care of, Coulter DeVries is a licensed real estate broker in Montana and Wyoming and Iran is a Montana certified general appraiser and accredited through the American Society of Farm Managers and Rural Appraisers. Denver Gilbert is a licensed real estate broker in four states. I say this because there are still twelve states that are non-disclosure, meaning we do not have the privilege of releasing private and confidential information from certain land markets. We have fiduciary and agency relationships that we take very seriously and would not seek to compromise these duties. In this podcast, we do not report information pertaining to specific clients or market participants, unless it is public knowledge. Our reporting is not to be misconstrued as legal or financial advice, even though we may have opinions as to what one ought to do when it comes to ranch and land investing. Advice is only worth what you pay for it, and you are receiving this for free. So if you would like further information, please reach out to any of the hosts or guests on your own accord. We enjoy hearing your feedback, so please post in questions or comments to our Ranch Investor private group on Facebook. If you do not have Facebook, please send to comments at ranchinvestor.com